Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is your host, Nick Tully. I'm joined here today by Ben and Cody. Uh, it is Saturday morning, September 19th. Woke up today, Clemson's 3-0. Uh, still very much in the playoff hunt, and things are good. Um, thank you all for tuning in. As everybody knows, on Thursday night, Clemson won a nail-biter up in Louisville, 20-17. to um, So, you know, this definitely wasn't a, an easy game to watch as a Clemson fan. Um, a bit of a nail biter, but you know, good guys came out on top. I think the score was a lot closer than the play on the field reflected. Um, but you know, we'll get into it here today in our recap, just uh, what we saw and what our conclusions were. Um, so, guys, I think the my initial thoughts overall is just you know mostly relief, mostly relief that we came out of there with that win. I think we've seen in the past, you know, historically for Clemson. Some teams in yesteryear would have found a way to lose that game, but uh, just on the strength of some of our talent, the dominant defensive play, you know, we, we passed that first test. Yeah, uh, that was a close one, and we can get into later why really the game, the, we should have won by more, but the moral of the story is, is that we got into Louisville, a hostile environment uh, on a Thursday night, with, playing a very desperate team, and we got out of there with a win. And that's all that matters to me right now. Um, there's a lot to be improved on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I really liked. And there's a lot of stuff that was kind of out of our control that led to this being such a close game. Um, it was weird. Uh, it was it was close the entire game, but I was never really worried. I really felt like we still had this game in hand. And, I, and the reason I think it is is because I trust in this team and I trust in this, this coach and Dabo because... We're not Clemsoning anymore. At least we're not Tommy Bowden Clemsoning. We're this is Dabo's version of Clemsoning, and it's where we win these games. I mean, we win the games that we're supposed to. It doesn't matter if we're in a hostile environment on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. We go in. We're the better team. We have the better talent. We have the better players, and we go in and beat them. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, survive in advance. That's the kind of the the way that we have to look at this because to get to a playoff, we got to be undefeated. We we and totally have established that. Whatever, like Florida State, you know, they had they had so many nail biters last year, but they made it to the playoff because they were undefeated. Same scenario for us. We went into a very hostile environment, like you said, Ben, and we came out with a with a W. And frankly, you're right. We, we this isn't the Bowden era. We come out with we come out with wins that we were supposed to come out with, and we're winning with defense. Which for me, we're going to talk about where the offense at, where the offense is, where they need to be. But for to win games on defense. It's so refreshing. I like it. I feel like we have more control, whereas the last, what, three or four right. years, we were winning games with offense. Both are, both are great ways to win, but I, I like the defense first type Yeah, I think approach. you are definitely more in control when your defense is the most dominant one. We saw that ACC championship run year where we played Georgia Tech twice. I mean, we could score all we wanted on them, and they would just turn right back around and score on us. Um, so... You know, I kind of want to take a step back here. Uh, I think this game really brings us all down to earth a little bit as fans. Uh, and in my mind, the whole playoff chatter, the Deshaun Watson for Heisman is really taking a back seat now to really just look at the next game, win the next game, see what happens and how we go from there. Because 
we may have gotten a little ahead of ourselves. I mean, again, we keep saying 2016 is the year, but we have high hopes for this year. I think this game uh, uncovered some of our concerns, and some stuff came out of this game that I don't think we were expecting. I couldn't agree more about let's pump the brakes a little bit on some of the accolades that we could earn. All of our goals, even some of those awards, are, are still certainly possible. But what we want to see from this team is improvement and good execution. And I think, you know, you guys have touched on it. We've gotten that out of the defensive side, not as much on the offensive side. I mean, for us, I think everyone was like, oh, great, Deshaun Watson, national stage. He usually steps up in the moment. Um, we didn't really see that. We didn't really see, like, the Jameis Winston coming out party that he had against us two years ago, which, which was really his first focus matchup. Um, we didn't get that last night, or sorry, on Thursday night from Deshaun. That's not to say that he won't have a breakout game coming up. Um, but I'd like, maybe we could touch on what we think is going on with Deshaun, though. Um, we, you know, he's had flashes of brilliance. A few passes in that game the other night just reminded us all of what he's capable of. But there were also some mistakes, and he looked a little tentative at points in the pocket. Yeah, and in fairness, I think we, like the Clemson podcast and other media outlets have put that hype and that that's where the this, this source of all this chatter is. I think in, in the locker room on, a, on an internal level, I don't think they, they, they're not thinking through that same lens. They're very much focused on winning games. And that's, again, part of the extension of Dabo's culture of winning. Um, what, what, what's wrong with, with Deshaun Watson right now? You know, for one, he's coming off an ACL injury. He hasn't had the reps through the spring practice. He doesn't look really, there's not a lot of continuity and not a lot of, uh, he's, He's shaking off the rust. He's shaking off the rust. The receivers have not been reliable, and that's that's disappointing. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think, I mean, you know, let's be honest. I still think Deshaun Watson is everything that we think he is capable of being. I think he is more than capable of winning a Heisman Trophy. He is that good of a quarterback. He's a little scared right now, it looks like to me. He's, he has a little trepidation stepping up into a pocket. I think he's worried about getting injured. And who can blame him? He's gone through a few injuries dating from, I think, coming out of high school and then his collarbone, his first uh, spring practice, and then some knee injuries, uh, the broken finger last year. So, I mean, all those things combined, I mean, he's going to have to play his way out of that. He hasn't had a lot of contact that these other guys had in the spring game. So he's, I think he's still getting back into the flow of things. I think once he learns how to trust um, himself more, his his body, and then his protection. If we keep it up, we're gonna see things improve. But right now, he's not playing at the top of his game. And it's not that he's, it's not that he's afraid of being physical. Or you saw him just take off. I felt like he felt like he had a lot more control. And the end of the fourth quarter, where he was going on those run plays, he like he likes to get hit. He likes to be physical. But the the flip side of that is to get hit when you're not expecting it or someone to crash into your knee when you're back in the pocket. He's afraid of the pocket. That's what it looks like right when, now. When you're vulnerable. When you're vulnerable, yeah. yeah. And it's out of your control. Well, and I, to maybe put a counterpoint out there, yes, he did not look crisp, but a few things I want to bear in mind here. Louisville is a really talented defense, especially that front seven that was disrupting our O-line, who I thought played a you know about an average game. Um but Louisville is talented under Todd Grantham, their defensive coordinator, and they brought in a lot of experienced players. We saw a couple of interceptions made by some savvy veterans, and they got after the quarterback. So, you know, as much as we want to say it's Deshaun, I think we did play a really good defense. Right, but that being said, minus if, if you take away some of those bad throws and some drops, um, then that really changes the outcome of the game, and we do put up a lot of points on them on offense. I think we could have easily put up into the 30s, had we been on our game from an offensive point of view, 
I think Watson didn't play up to his potential. And I think our wide receivers, especially experienced guys, namely Sharon Peake, are really not – I'm not liking what I'm seeing out of him. I think we're really missing Mike Williams. So totally agree, and I think we should explore a little more like what we, how we cope with not having Mike Williams here. But I would say your coaches need to make adjustments then to get the guys involved. And certainly they're talented – I mean, I think I, I was surprised we didn't go for the you know quick screen passes more often. Because it seems like every time we ran those to Ray Ray McLeod, we had some some passes, Artavis Scott and um, Deion Kane. We seemed to rattle off four, five, six, seven yards every time we ran those. Well, right. When we got down there near the end of the game uh, on Hugel's last field goal, where we had, I think, second and three, mm-hmm. we'd do a run to C.J. Davidson and then run with Deshaun Watson. Like, throw Up a screen, the middle. Yeah, throw a screen yeah. pass out to Scott. Um, but one thing, one interesting thing that you just kind of mentioned, and I'll point out, if you notice at the end of the game, Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod were in there a lot, and Jermon Hopper. I didn't see a lot of peak. Those guys are making plays, and like you said, we can be rely- we can reliably get the ball to uh, on on that on that screen pass. We don't feel so comfortable with passes across the middle. Right. Uh, Deshaun's accuracy was a little bit off. We saw, but you know, with that, there's not there's not a receiver on this roster right now. You know, maybe aside from Artavis Scott, that's making plays for Deshaun. If he, if the pass isn't like right there in their hands, they're not gonna. They're, they're not, not bailing gonna, him out on a bad throw. They're not. They're not redirecting their route. Ball, right? Yeah. Well, and you got to think about Peak. Maybe he's worried about injury too. He's gone through a lot in his career. Um, it seemed like just Deshaun Watson, especially some of the long balls or balls across the middle, may have been throwing off his back foot a little bit. Like he was a little hesitant to step up in there. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think that was a big part to do with it. I think it's one of those things that's just going to have to get worked out the more comfortable he gets as the season yeah. goes along. This is not doom and gloom. Don't worry. Deshaun Watson is going to be probably still the greatest quarterback Clemson has ever seen. This wasn't his best game, and he's going to have not every game is going to be stellar. Yeah, and one point, going back to your saying, talking about Louisville Tully, how they are a really good defense. That will not be the narrative that you'll hear from ESPN. They'll look at the score and say that we barely squeaked out a – a game against an 0-3 team. The best uh, 0-3 team in the country. The best 0-3 team in the country. But the thing that's going to get lost in all of this is that Louisville does have a very good defense, possibly the best defense we'll face all year. And they were at home. They were hungry. They were like a wounded animal, as they say. Their, their pass rush wasn't great, but, I mean, they, they have some mallers. Sheldon Rankins, Rankins and, and um, what's his name, Devontae Fields. They have some guys on that front seven. Their linebackers look great. Um, I mean, that, that was a tough defense. It was a lot for our offensive line to handle. It was a lot for uh, Deshaun Watson to have to make really quick reactions to mm-hmm. the blitz. And that's where, when we are having success at, against such a defense, that's where I would have expected our coaches to just hammer that home. Like, find their weak link, which might have been protecting on a quick quick pass, and just continue to exploit that, that issue. Um, shaking the Southland put an instant reaction up, and the Kraken made the point we didn't exactly go full Spurrier, where the head ball coach would find a weakness in a defense and just really exploit that. Keep attacking. We certainly were on the receiving end of that, you know, in the Connor Shaw years, um, when a quarterback quarterback scramble, you know, would always result in first downs when they needed it. So, again, it's it's about being relentless with your play calling, and surely Deshaun Watson is still trying to find that trust with you know a receiver or a tight end that does bail him out. For Taj Boyd, forever it was Dwayne Allen. And it ended up becoming New Hopkins also. We'll see who that's going to be for Deshaun Watson on this team. Let's hope 
Mike Williams makes full recovery and we've got him down the stretch for that, you know, NC State, Miami, Florida State run, we'll see. We may not. And he's going to have to find a guy on this roster to do it. Well, I think you kind of touched on it there we, uh, a little bit about the play calling. I thought there was a lot left to be desired there. And I do wonder if that isn't affected by the loss of Mike Williams. Maybe that is hampering us a lot more than we thought it was. We lost Mike Williams. We know he's our best wide receiver on the team, but we, we still have Scott and Peak and McLeod and Kane. So you, you thought that we were still going to be okay, but I think maybe it has affected the play calling somewhat. Yeah, you're not seeing, I mean, you're seeing, yeah, a lot of the same things. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of screen routes, screen passes. I'm surprised, like you said, totally, I'm surprised that we didn't just try to exploit that and put Ray Ray McLeod, Deion Kane, and Artavis Scott, or put, you know, maybe Ray Ray McLeod in motion, two guys on uh, separate sides, and just until they can't stop anymore, just keep bringing it. Guys, we've been talking about the offense for about 10 minutes here, and um, we haven't talked about the highlight which I feel like is the play of Wayne Gallman in our running game. Thank you. Let's talk about something good. So <laughs> not I wouldn't even call this a silver lining. This is like an absolute bright spot of this offense. And again, it's something, in addition to our de- defensive play, that we did not expect coming into this year, especially Cody. Okay, I, I can speak to it. For one, who would have <laughs> thought that our ACC Player of the Year candidate right now would be Wayne Gallman over, obviously, Deshaun Watson? So that's one. Two, I was his biggest doubter. I didn't think he did any one thing really well. He did a lot of things above average or okay. It turns out, though, for one, and he's really 6'1". He's kind of tall, so he runs upright. His pad level's not great for running back. For one, he's corrected a little bit of that. He looks like he's, his pad level's a little bit down. But just taking three yards and hitting hitting the guy in front of him as hard as possible, making that three yards, five yards, and, and really making his cuts, being so precise, his footwork looks great, his vision Looks great. He didn't have. He had very tight windows to run in, and he was. He did a great job. So yeah, I'm huge bright spot. That's a that's a string for us now for the next. I can say the next three years with Tevion Feaster coming in next year. Yeah. So I thought Gallman was going to be a good serviceable back this year. I liked what I saw out of him last year. Boy, has he improved even beyond my expectations. I love watching this guy run. I can't remember a Clemson running back that that has run like this, where he just puts his head down and knocks people over. I mean, he has so greatly improved in that part of the game. You know, we're used to running backs like Ellington and Spiller, and even James Davis started to dance around a little bit too much for me. Jamie Harper, I don't know what the hell was wrong with him as big as he was, but he would even dance around and not just run somebody over. Gallman's doing that, and I'm so excited to see that out of him. And we have our running back, and he's going to carry this team a lot this year because you saw his play help mitigate not a great game by Watson. And the offensive line... They did well. They did okay, but they yeah. didn't do great by any stretch of the imagination. And he still was able to put up, you know, well over two hundred yards almost. Actually, he had like two hundred and two yards, I believe. Uh, well over hundred. Well, yeah, one hundred and thirty-nine rushing. Right, all uh, purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that was big. And so just on a from very much a fan level, I came into this year going into every game like looking for the Deshaun Watson. He's just so fun to watch. And now, I mean, really, what I'm looking forward to every game is Wayne Gallman and that you know, that spin move that he had that was just man that was so exciting another point me and my brother were talking about this between Wayne Gallman and Artavis Scott it's so fun watching those guys because they're not necessarily like physically imposing but every time they get the ball if they face someone that's like their same size maybe a yeah. 5'10 180 pound DB they're gonna just truck him like they don't yeah. stand a chance those guys are so physical well the way I mean he he runs with um I mean, he runs with intent. 
Like he has a purpose. He's he knows what he's there to do, and he's not dancing around. He's not anything. He's just he's just running the ball. And it's funny. We talked about how nice it is to have this Clemson defense that we rely on now to control the game with, and now we have this strong running game with this back who just runs people over. It's weird to talk about that considering what Clemson has been with all these great uh, playmakers on offense and us really spreading the ball around and and going downfield with passes. And now we're really reverting back to uh, a style of offense and defense that you see teams like Alabama use to win national champions. We're definitely more traditional now. Right? But we have But we still have the playmakers. We still have the playmakers and we still have Deshaun Watson. So I'm I'm confident that we can can Deshaun Watson be Andrew Luck, which is I was forecasting to be that that type of good? I don't know, but I think he can get closer to that than he than where he is now, which I don't I can't even think of a comp for him and, now. And Cody, in our season preview, you made a good corollary between what this team's upside and a different team, uh, Cam Newton's Auburn Tigers. From I want to say that was the 2010 season. It was um, where they had a good defense. Everyone knew that that revealed itself as you got into the season. Their offense wasn't exceptional, but they did have that talented quarterback, and through the year, they sort of built up. Cam got his feet under him, and they went on to glory and won it all. So could that be? I mean, again, I think that's like the high watermark for this team. We'll see. Two, Yeah, two points there. For one, their defense was good. They had Nick Fairley, who was an all-world player on the, at defensive tackle. Our defense, from an all-round standpoint, is better than that defense. So that's one point. And the second, just being Cam Newton was unbelievable because in that, that zone read where he could run, he would get six yards every time. And we don't necessarily have a guy that dominant, but we can be more dynamic with playmakers on the outside, Wayne Gallman as a running back. And hopefully Deshaun Watson can become more he, accurate. He will. And I, continue to make plays with his legs. I think it's un, undoubtedly that he will do that. And I think our offense is going to be better than it was last year, and our defense is going to be almost as good, it looks like. So... It really comes down to me. I think this offense would, will gel. I, I see from all our position groups that we have a playoff contending offense, except still an offensive line. I haven't seen them really be dominant enough to where I think that they're playoff caliber. I think from the quarterback position, from our starting quarterback, we have it. I think in Galman now, we have that at the running back position. And I think our wide receivers, we still have a ton of talent in the world there. And even Jordan Leggett showed up and, and had some great uh, some good catches. I mean, led the team in receiving on Thursday on three catches, I think. So I think we've got it in those positions. I still think the offensive line, it's still a gray area, and we're going to have to really see a lot of improvement uh, when it comes to that. I will say this, Jay Guillermo at center, no bad snaps. We looked a lot better there. Uh, scary moment, Joe, Joe Gorn from Mudgeon going down and having to put Maverick Morris in there. We definitely lost a step, and that's something we've talked about. And moving forward, injuries are something that could really kill us on offensive line. Cool. Well, Clearly, um, room to go on offense uh, as we head into, or as we continue through the toughest stretch of our schedule. We get Notre Dame next. Uh, they play in about an hour here um, against Georgia Tech, so we'll see what their, their defense looks like, see how Clemson might stack up to that, because um, we really haven't seen Notre Dame play, play too many high-powered offenses yet in Virginia and Texas. I think Hunter Renfro needs more playing time. <laughs> Just throwing that, out, throwing that out there. Yeah, Hunter Renfro looks... Great. I had no idea that he could. They said, Dabo said we can win with this guy. And I hear so much coach speak through the offseason. I thought that was just the same as saying, like, Jeff and Judah Davis are going to really help this team win. I, 
Well, Cody, I he looks if, great. Yeah, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but somebody on there predicted that Hunter Renfro was uh, going to do well this year and maybe had three or four touchdowns. I can't remember what that guy said, but I know he has one so far, maybe two. Still one, but okay. it was a big one. Uh, more really good to see. More to come. Really good to see the two big plays happen: that Hunter Renfro touchdown, and then basically a gadget play. Uh, Mitch Hyatt declared as eligible, moved to the outside. Deshaun went the other way to Jordan Leggett right up the middle for ridiculous touchdown pass so that was the up. one edgy risky play call that actually that led to something and, and it worked and it worked and we got a tight end involved which is what we were hoping for going into the game hey what pumping the brakes though we, we were talking about in a lot of ways how we resemble a 2010 national champion in auburn and how we have a lot of bright spots one thought is that we're not a playoff team quite yet so i, I just want to like pump the brakes and everything yeah. i think we've revealed that we are not there yet well, and there's work to be done. We can still be there. It's it's in the it's it's there's a it's a possibility because we haven't lost yet, but we're not there yet. We could also be a one-loss team that wins the ACC but still doesn't make the playoffs depending on how other things shake out. Yeah, and I think when I calibrate where we are against the national picture, you just have to think about we're going to need to end up and again, it is we've talked about it, you need to be undefeated, but it's really simple like do we feel like we could play up to our ranking? Could we could we beat we're ranked number 11 right now. Could we beat the number 12 team, the number 15 team, the number 18 team? I do think we could, but I, I'm not sure how many of the top 10 at this point Clemson could beat with the team the way that we've been playing. Do we have the upside to get into that top five, top four? Absolutely. We're not seeing that play yet. And we'll see as we go through the season, you know, do we, do we start to reveal that type of caliber team? Well, let me, let me say this. Louisville, I think in my mind, could have easily been a top 15 team going into this game. If they pull out a win against Auburn and then they don't overlook Houston, which is, I think, definitely what happened, overlooking Houston coming off of that heartbreaking loss at Auburn and then looking forward to Clemson on a short week on a Thursday night, that's why they lost to Houston. Louisville could have been 2-0 going into that game. And because of who they would have beaten the first week in Auburn, number six team, I think, they were in the country. A lot of people had them predicted was from ESPN to win the national championship. Louisville could have been in the top 15. It could have been a completely different story going into the game. And that, that ranking, when you see it in front of them, makes a difference in what your perception is on how we played in that game and what a three-point win means. Well, Louisville will have a chance to prove themselves, even though they're out, I mean, there's already three losses. Their season's really, there's not a whole lot to play for now. But they can still, they can still do well in the ACC. Yeah, have some significant wins, yeah. If they went out in the ACC and we lose two games, Florida State loses two, all of a sudden they're in the ACC championship. It's not over for them. <laughs> and then the podcast discontinues. <laughs> let's hope not. Um, guys, let's take a look at the defense. Clearly, we've been talking about how they've exceeded our own expectations. I think in this game, I mean, we were a little concerned about, okay, we beat up on Wofford, beat up on App State, held both teams to 10 points. Uh, how are we going to do against a Power 5 team, um, division rival, short week in their place, hostile environment? Are we still going to get that type of effort? And I think it was a definitive hell yes. So just to rattle off some stats here, um, Clemson continued its third down dominance. Louisville only converted two third downs um, out of 14 tries. Um, just really great performance overall um, from this defense. Limited them basically to allowing 10 points on the scoreboard in that Louisville got a special teams touchdown. So again, only letting up 10 points per week. We've continued that streak. It would be nice to see that continue. And, um, you know, we can go through the position groups here and the highlights, but uh, maybe, Cody, what did you see out of this defense that impressed you the most? 
we're still we continue to be disruptive on the defensive line it, where it's going to be hard for any opposing team and we'll see Notre Dame who has will be probably the best offensive line that we'll face all year but it's going to be really hard for our opponents to establish a run game against us and that's great the flip side of that is we we're not doing a great job of getting to the pass or our pass rush which I think is okay it uh, we'd like to see Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd continue to get a little bit more penetration but ultimately it's very hard for anybody to establish that run game uh, furthermore our linebackers. I can almost say at this point that our linebackers might even be just as good, potentially better than last year's linebackers. And that's just, I mean, that's up to this point. And, it, and that's a byproduct of the people that we've played not being really tested in, in coverage, just having, you know, trying to shut off the run game. And But Ben Bulware and BJ Goodson just played out of their mind against Louisville. We have no depth. If one of those guys goes down, that, that statement's completely incorrect. But up to this point, and, and with our starters, they've, they've really just been a tremendous. I am a little shocked to hear you say that about the linebackers, considering who left last year. However, I will say this. Ben Bulware is all over the place, and B.J. Goodson played a damn good game. Uh, Bulware, you saw him busting through the line, I mean, time after time again. And even he doesn't need to make the tackle. He's just disruptive, right? And he opens up the opportunities for the other guys. He disrupts the play. I mean... Yeah, I mean, he's like a cannonball, and I love watching him play linebacker. You know, Given his mentality, I've always expected this out of him, and it's great to see it uh, coming out. I will say this. We talked about um, uh, being a playoff team uh, from the offensive uh, standpoint. Let me say this about defense. How many guys are we returning that started last year? Two guys. Two guys. So we're replacing nine guys on a number one ranked defense, and there's not much of a drop-off. That's the definition of playoff caliber, is when you're able to reload like that. Yeah, we have some things to work on. We have some depth issues. We could get a bigger push, uh, pass rush from the defensive line, but those guys are solid. Louisville had 19 yards of rushing. That's huge. And we've really limited teams and that uh, rushing abilities this year, and that's going to really come into play once we get to teams like Georgia Tech, for instance, or Dalvin Cook in Florida State. So very, very positive game from our defense they really kept us in this one, even though the score should have been greater based off of some offensive problems, and we'll talk about the officiating maybe a little bit later. <laughs> um, but really, really excited from what I see out of the defense. Yeah, I mean, just from a, a statistical standpoint, we mentioned the score and their third down conversion rate. Seven tackles for losses, five sacks, um, and two picks. One of those was kind of on that last play Hail Mary situation. But um, pretty, pretty great numbers against... You know, Louisville might not be the best offense we face all year, but we're in their house, hostile environment. Again, this team was able to eliminate the run game, make Louisville one-dimensional, and still get results on that side. Yeah, going back to officiating, that's a lot of what was allowed them to extend their drives and ultimately allowed them to score. So, again, we don't even want to harp on officiating. It was bad. It, they missed a lot of calls. It's it's one of the most terribly officiated games against Clemson that, that I've seen in recent memory. I'll tell you this. I don't like making excuses with the officiating because I feel like sometimes Clemson fans, I mean, every team sees it this way, that they have bad calls against them. But this was egregious. That game was terrible. One-sided. They, they made horrible calls time after time again. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and it, the, those calls led to a lot of the scores. If that didn't happen, it could have been close to a shutout. Uh, you know, assume or aside from the the kickoff return, but yeah, and we haven't even mentioned our secondary. A guy that we even we mentioned coming into the game, Tankersley, maybe the one bright spot they're going to pick on him, and they absolutely did try to pick on him. He was tremendous. He had an interception. 
He looked good, not great. He's definitely not McKenzie Alexander in terms of coverage, but he looked good. And what what really surprised me is he plays physical just like what we've come to expect from a Brent Venables defense. We see it from McKenzie, Ale- McKenzie Alexander. We certainly see it from J. Ron Curse and TJ Green at safety. But he brought the hammer. He was he looked great tackling. He didn't do any arm tackling, which you know we've seen that back in the in the steel days. Look, he looked good. He looked the part, and I think we have a very solid defense. Uh- I thought Takersley played fantastic, and I'm really excited for that kid. I mean, he's he's back there with three um, future NFL DBs, and so you know that teams are going to target him as the weak link in that secondary going into the game, and they did pick on him time after time again, and he kept showing up, whether it was the interception or that ball he dove for and swatted away or just his solid coverage and tackling. Like, he played Fantastic! I love seeing that out of him. So now moving forward, teams aren't going to be able to look at that as a weak spot in our secondary. We have a solid group, four guys back there at, at, at starters. And McKenzie Alexander, poor guy. I, miss, I said he'll have an interception this game, and he didn't. They just don't give him any opportunities. The one time he, he did get beat deep, and luckily the guy dropped it. But again, he reminds me of like that right fielder in Little League. Where the, <laughs> he just stands out there the whole game, and, he, and then that one ball comes to him, and he doesn't expect it. So he gets, he gets caught a little Ex- bit off guard. Except in this case, you put your best player in that position. Not, yeah. not your worst. Yeah, it's true. And I think the, one, of the, one of really the only ways to, to test and try and beat Mackenzie Alexander is just in a foot race down the line. And that's, that's basically what happened on those plays. Um, fortunately, Bolin couldn't really connect on all those passes. They did have one play deep that was to Max side, but nothing. I don't think it's cause for concern long term, especially, you know, we have really solid safety play helping him out. I mean, and I think if Tankersley keeps stepping up like this, that you may see some balls go McKenzie's way more. I don't know. I, th- I still think you're going to see him be picked on the rest of the season, which is unfortunate, but hey, that means one side of the field is completely shut down. Keep throwing him out there. If he keeps showing up like like he did, I'm, I'm completely fine with that because I thought he played great against some very tall wide receivers for Louisville, too. Young, but they're big. So guys, I'm eager to see coming off of this week what the advanced stats look like from a defensive ranking standpoint. Uh, coming into this week, Clemson was ranked number 10 in the country in statistical def- defense. I'm using some advanced metrics uh, methodologies. I think after this game, we'll continue to be possibly even better and and further up into the top 10. Um, Again, letting up 10 points against this type of a team, having the stats that we talked about is really encouraging. And I think we can build on that heading into, granted, it's the home stretch, but a a harder uh, segment of our schedule with Notre Dame coming to town. Well, what I guess I'll ask this. What offensive uh, juggernauts do we have? To look forward to. I mean, you got a Notre Dame team that is down. Their number one starting quarterback who went to Florida State, their number two starting quarterback is gone. Um, they're missing their number one running back. Uh, their best tight end is now done for the season. So, I mean, are we worried about them on offense? And at Florida State, we saw them only put up 14 against BC, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, and then Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech, you know, I've, I've said this, I still think we can be a top 10 defense this year. Georgia Tech's going to blow your stats out of the water, I mean, no matter who they're playing, because that's just the style of offense they run. They're going to be very successful at that. Interested to see what they can do against Notre Dame today. But I think this defense is solid, and again, there's not going to be much of a drop-off, and we're seeing that. Maybe we don't play any, you know, ACC Player of the Year, Quarterback of the Year, First Team, all ACC quarterbacks. I think, like, that's a good thing. That being said, I mean, Notre Dame, 
they're talented. They're going to reload. I think they're um, Deshaun Kaiser's their backup quarterback. CJ Procise is their backup running back. Both of those guys are really capable. They still have um, Will Fuller is their returning wide receiver. Um, he was basically a borderline All-American last year. So the, they've got the talent at Notre Dame. I don't think they're going to be a pushover offense by any means. But it's going to be in the Valley. You've got basically a freshman quarterback coming in. You know, that bodes well for us. I agree, Georgia Tech. I think that's where, Cody, maybe your proclamation of them being as good or better than last year, that'll get put to the test with we, assignment football against Paul Johnson's offense. I think Miami, too, just to throw that out there. I, I, they do have a good quarterback. And yeah, I think, Kai is solid. Yeah, so I think offensively they could be a test. I, yeah, I do have my eye now living on Miami, on NC State, just as, like, surprise. Uh, those are road games. But I, I kind of disagree with the Georgia Tech thing. I think we match up really well. Again, we're, we could get beat in coverage, making trying to spread our linebackers out, beating us through the air, which, granted, it's going to be hard with McKenzie Alexander and, and, um, and J. Ron Curse out there. But that's how you have to beat us. Georgia Tech's relying on that triple option. You have a couple wrecking balls in Ben Boulware and B.J. Goodson who match up very well against that triple option, and they've seen it before. They're both upperclassmen. This isn't anything new for them. Um, not to mention, Jaron Curse can just play can play just about any position on the field, and he, <laughs> he's a freak. <laughs> Tell you compared him to LeBron James running running down that that uh, yeah. It looks like everyone's seen a Le- LeBron James play where there's a fast break, another you know offensive guy steals the ball, goes to lay it up, and LeBron just comes from nowhere, slams it slams it out of his hands as he's laying it up. I feel like that was the Jaron Curse. He, tra- he tracked the guy down on that um, kickoff return. Granted, he was about half a yard short of stopping the touchdown, but by his closing speed and what he did on that, that that kid's an animal. I yeah. mean, I I would not want to take a hit from him. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he's gonna knock play, He's he's gonna knock fumbles loose. He's gonna. I mean, he, we saw in I think it was the the App State game. He was making plays on the ball. I mean, he is he's a very special safety that um. We yes. haven't seen the last of his playmaking. Absolutely. Going back, I think we match up because of that. Those reasons: physical secondary, very physical linebackers, a disruptive defensive line. I think we match up very well against Georgia Tech. So maybe what what we're saying is we we like we like our chances against the offenses we have coming up. I think it really is from a team standpoint. What can we get out of our offense? I think there are going to be better defenses on our schedule maybe than anybody had, had expected as well. Florida State looked pretty darn good last night against BC. BC themselves looked pretty good, you know, containing Everett Golson, Dalvin Cook, and that Florida State offense to basically, um, they only put up seven points on offense, and that was, you know, in a, a very hard-fought long game. So seven of those Florida State points were off of a fumble return to, for a touchdown. So BC's got a good defense. Um, everyone's talking up Notre Dame's defense. Uh, they have basically an all-world linebacker. Um, his name's escaping me right now, but... Notre Dame is going to be solid, too. We'll see what we get out of Georgia Tech. But good defenses ahead. It's really about our offense finding its groove. That's the gap. That's the gap in us being a, a non-playoff team and a playoff team. It's the, it's the improvement. Deshaun Watson being able to find a little bit more continuity um, with, with the passing game, uh, shaking off the rust, finding, the, finding a right wide receiver target maybe outside of our Tavis Scott who can be reliable. And if we can find that, if the play calling can improve a little bit, Maybe not saying it's bad. Maybe they don't even. Want, they still are not showing their entire hand and concealing some things. But it, it's got to improve. They got to. They got to be a little bit more edgy, a little bit more creative. I think. So I still think it comes down to a few things: the the offensive line play, our depth on defense, but also special teams. 
Yeah, I mean, what I do want to cover off on here, guys, is going back to our Louisville preview and talking about what we were looking for in this game. But before we get there, let's talk about special teams quickly. Um, I want to talk about a highlight first. Props to Greg Hugel. He stepped in there and kicked two pretty high-pressure, very important field goals, one from the left hash, one from the right hash, down the stretch in the, in the uh, second half that you, know, you could easily see a, a walk-on true freshman get rattled. So very good to see that. That's encouraging. We do get Ammon Lakeup back this week for Notre Dame. So remains to be seen who Dabo and the coaching staff go with as their starting place kicker. But um, props to Greg Hugel, at least from a place kicking standpoint. Yeah, neither were really long kicks. They were both under 40 yards. But and he, did, he didn't need three chances to, to hit the first one this time. <laughs> and they were solid kicks. I mean, he was really striking the ball solid. So... We'll see what happens when Lakeup comes back. I do wonder how they're going to handle this situation. Do I, um, do I feel comfortable throwing Hugo out there for a game winner against Notre Dame or Florida State just yet? I don't think so, especially not if it's maybe 40-plus. But I also haven't seen Lakeup kick since uh, last January. So we'll see how that goes. Well, I don't know if Dabo feels 100% comfortable. Uh, you know, he was debating on going for it on that fourth, and I think it was like fourth and three from, you know, on that on that first field goal attempt. Luckily, he changed his mind and, you know, hopefully built up some of Heigl's confidence, but... Hugel. Hugel. Yeah, I'm, I'm never going to get the, the kicker's names right. But Lakeup's coming back. Uh, I think you stick with, with Hugel, at least at least till he proves you wrong. Yeah, I will say this. I mean, he came in and hit those kicks in a high-pressure environment on the road. So, I mean, yeah, much props to him. That, that makes me feel a lot better. And even if Lakeup comes back this year um, and takes over the starting role, we still have Hugel for down the road. Like, he's, at the, at, at the very least, our next kicker. And from what I've seen from him so far, I'm very confident that he's going to, you know, we're going to be able to rely on him. That's a good point. Maybe moving on to a bit of a lesser... Um, maybe a downside of this special teams unit, kick coverage and our ability to maintain field position, really atrocious. Um, let's take the kick return for a touchdown aside. Just at, I don't have the average starting field position stats in front of me, but it just felt like every time we were scoring or you know to start the game out, kicking the ball deep, they would they would start the I mean they would get a, you know very generous amount of room to run and we weren't in there we weren't intense we've been talking about it for three weeks now and it i don't really see any improve it i mean there's not a lot we can add to it it is or it isn't and it comes down to coaching can we get brent venables to start coaching special teams i think that's the best solution i want like i want our special teams to look a little bit mean aggressive taking some guys out and ultimately tackling the guy we have defensive playmakers and starters we have starters covering kicks yeah, and that's the concerning part is that these aren't third-string guys. Uh, They're not kicks. five hard dabos. And, and, yeah, and it's not like Hugel is kicking the ball to the 10. Like, he's getting it to the goal line or into the end zone a little bit. And I think it's interesting to talk about Lake and maybe coming back. Can can he kick the ball out of the end zone? Because if we can't cover, we need somebody that can do that at the very least. I mean, on that uh, 100-yard return by Travion Samuel, we had three guys up there right in front of him to make a tackle, and it was like fainting goats. They just all fell down. I don't know what happened. Holding hands. Yeah. Yeah, singing so, kumbaya. I mean, it's very concerning. It's, it could have cost us that game because we had momentum going up 20-10. to 10. If we could have got a defensive hold, come back, got the ball, and then 
you know, ice the game. Yeah, could have iced the game. But no, instead we let them right back into it. And that's how you let teams into it. It's stupid plays like that where you're just underperforming. And I, I think that's what we are. I think we are underperforming. I don't think that uh, you know we, we had the playmakers there. We had the talent. The only thing I can add to it is that it comes down to coaching. We saw bad botch snaps in the in the Appalachian State game. That was corrected. We can pinpoint our fault or our flaws up to this point. And one is kickoff return, defending it. Can we correct that? That's I mean we'll know. I think I think now we have the resources, the coaching. There's a there's a culture there where we can correct things that are wrong. We won't see the these these things persist throughout the year. So let's see if going into the next game, two weeks to prepare, a little over two weeks, if we can get this right. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. We have at least three better teams in Louisville on our schedule um, who will have better playmakers running the ball back. So we need to look out for that. It could come back to bite us in the butt. Hopefully not. Uh, all right, let's just really quickly go through what we were looking for, what we saw this time. Um, mistakes on offense. We're looking to keep a pretty clean sheet here. Uh, Deshaun Watson threw two picks. We had some bad throws, some drops by wide receivers. Um, and some miscues otherwise, but no no fumbles, nothing like that. But I do feel like I would say this is kind of a thumbs down. Um, maybe a thumbs up to counter that. We were able to establish the run game in Wayne Gallman. Really was a, a revelation in this game. Yeah, and I'll say real quick, going back to the, the no other turnovers, I don't think we've had a fumble by a running back this year, which is very positive. Wayne Gallman's getting 90% of the, the carries up to this point. And he should continue to, <laughs> yeah. to do so. Um, great stuff from him. Does the O-line get a rebound, get a push, have a good game? Um, and how do Jay Guillermo and Justin Fascinelli look? So I would say the I'd probably give the, the O-line about a C-plus, B-minus overall here. Um, certainly weren't a liability for our team. Jay Guillermo didn't have any bad snaps. I think any, he's won the job. He's won the job. And for the O-line, I mean, there was a scary moment when um, Joe Gore went down, and we also had Jake from Morgan, who was stepping in, um, leave with an, a yet undisclosed injury. So still a question mark there, but that's really when we saw Maverick Morris come in, and it was it was, you know, he was kind of on skates out there for a little bit. But and it's not his natural position either. I mean, that goes to show you the the issues we're going to have with injuries because of our lack of depth. Good news is Maverick Morris. You're right. He's a he's a tack or he's a guard. He's not a tackle. He was playing out of position. But he's the guy going into next year and the year after where we can rely on him for depth as we bring in a little bit more high-profile guys, guys like Mitch Hyatt and from Origin Develop. So I think that's a positive sign going forward that this guy is coming in now. He's already getting some some action, and he'll ultimately be playing as a starter, as an upperclassman, or at least a you know a two-deep player. I'll say this uh, to, to kind of close that out. Here's our, here's our issues and where we stand on the offensive line. We have our starter, and then our backup is a freshman, and then our second backup is playing out of position. So that's clearly an issue. Defense. So we weren't really sure who we were going to get from a quarterback position. Um, they ended up trotting three guys out there. Um, Bolin played most of the game. You also had Lamar Jackson uh, play, but when Bolin was in there, we were worried, you know, would the secondary respond in their first true test? There were a couple times when they got beat. There was... Um, maybe two, two throws in particular that, that hurt us. Uh, but other than that, I think they played a great game. Tankersley, as we talked about, was great. We had two interceptions. So pretty pretty happy about what we saw from the secondary. I'm surprised that Jackson didn't play more, and, and so they didn't really test us from a running quarterback perspective. 
Um, is considering how much he played in their first two games of the year, I know he didn't play great in their game against Houston. He got yanked for bowling, but really surprised that they didn't mix it up more at least and have some more packages for him. Yeah, and keep in mind, though, a lot of the yardage, a lot of the scoring that, that was against our defense was, one, on officiating, which we've already touched on, and then, two, Petrino lied on a lot of like gimmicky type stuff, bringing in the Jackson and, and Bonifon and those and those weird packages, and that's not something that you're going to see a lot of. Like they had no time to prepare, prepare for what was coming their way, so they they relied on on some very things that aren't repeatable going into the season. Right, and we mentioned this before: is that we had just as short a week as or Louisville had just as short a week as us, right? So we can make the complaint that yeah we have a short time to turn around so did Louisville so uh, the only advantage that Louisville had here is that they were at home a significant advantage and on special teams I think we're looking for does Hugo improve or continue to to show promise with field goal kicking and I think the answer is yes does our kick coverage improve absolutely not still an issue we know that let's move on um so guys any any Thoughts, parting thoughts on where we're at at this point. I think um, really quickly for our bye week, we're going to do one episode next week. Um, we'll touch on what we're seeing from the weekend's games. What does that mean setting up into our um, our next game coming up with Notre Dame? We'll definitely do a Notre Dame preview, but um, you know we'll we'll touch on the bye week where we stand after three weeks. But initial thoughts there. I'll say this: we overcame beating ourselves this week. We overcame. Uh, uh, actually pretty good team uh, trying to take us down and avoid going 0-3 in their place on a Thursday night. And we beat the officiating, which was absolutely horrendous. So you put all those three things together, I know it was a three-point win and some things were ugly, but I'm really happy to get out of there with a, with one in the win column and go 3-0. and I mean, we've all woken up on that day after the game when we lost a game we shouldn't have and how that feels eating breakfast Breakfast tasted pretty good yesterday, even if it wasn't a, a you know a beautiful win. Yeah, it's nice to have those style points, especially on a nationally televised Thursday night game. And we're not going to get that. And there, you know, the the narrative, you know, on, on the national level will be that you know we're just a ACC, a middling ACC team, or we're not a you know powerhouse. We're not an elite team, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, we have a chance to get there. I'm really surprised that our offense is is kind of this far behind. But to your point, Ben, give us six days to prepare for Louisville. Put us on a neutral field. Give us unbiased or you know decent officiating, and I think there's no way we don't beat Louisville by at least two touchdowns. That three-point game was just not really an indicative of the, the level, the disparity of talent, and the disparity of skill. And this game could look different at the end of the year. I think Louisville's toughest game left on their schedules at FSU on October 17th. But otherwise, I can see them winning every single other game uh, to finish out their season. So if they end at whatever that would make them at eight and four, but they're going, uh, you know, eight and eight and one over their last nine games. Yeah, and they beat a Kentucky team that looks decent. They beat the Gamecocks, so that's good. Yeah. Um, so if if Louisville is able to pull that off, they could be ranked by the end of the year, and that looks good on our schedule. Exactly. Um, Really quickly, we'll talk about scores around college football. Really the only final that impacts us and our our slate of opponents this year. We mentioned Florida State, ranked number nine, went into Boston College on a Friday night. 
Not sure why the ACC is scheduling its best teams for weeknight games, but no big deal there. Uh, but they handled Boston College. Um, it was very close coming down the stretch, but they won 14 to nothing. Um, BC's starting quarterback, Wade, went down with, I don't know if they declared what that injury was. It looked like a broken ankle, though, or at least an, possibly an Achilles tendon. Yeah, I'm not sure. It kind of looked like maybe it could have been the knee to me, too. Either way, it was something with the leg that doesn't look like he's going to be able to bounce back from very easily. Um, interesting point you bring up about the ACC having uh, two of their three best teams play weeknight games. I think the exposure... I mean, we had the top billing for a Thursday and Friday night game. I think the Friday night time slot is not desirable at all, um, although I did end up manage watching it. Um, but I think that's probably kind of the motivation there. And going forward the rest of the season, I don't think any of the other high-profile teams. I just You don't see the SEC scheduling those, those weeknight evening games. I think they, they understand. First of all, they don't need any more hype than they already get, but... They understand the value of having seven days rest between games. Yeah, and I, I think the Friday game is is, I mean, that's deserved for MAC teams. I I disagree. I think Boise State. I think those Friday and Thursday night games move the needle, because if you compare those, well, for one, you're getting out of the way of Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. But does Boston College, we'll say Florida State at Boston College, sound any more appealing at noon on Saturday? Not really. <laughs> it, it actually sounds more appealing at Friday night, and. Same could be said for Clemson and Louisville. We were hoping that Louisville would come in with a top twenty-five ranking. They didn't, but still, it was a it was a game that a lot of people watched. Does just Clemson Louisville at noon? Does that get you any more excited? I think I think that would I'd be rather nice. have two extra days practice, rest, etc., and play them. It would probably have been a three thirty game, five o'clock game, possibly. Yeah, I think Thursday night games. I don't like when Clemson plays decent teams on Thursday, even if there is that exposure, because we have to win all our games anyway. I don't know what, like, the exposure is good for recruiting, but I don't think it helps from the, the votes or in the polls. So I'm not know. convinced. I was, I'm kind of, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I was excited to get off work early at 4 o'clock and go watch the game on a Thursday night, our first big game of the year. I do think the Friday night games are gimmicky, and I'm really glad that D-Rad has come out and said Clemson is not going to host uh, Friday night games. Now that doesn't get us out of having to play them on the road somewhere, and that I really wouldn't like to see because I think we're in a disadvantage. I mean, it gets your schedule off during the week and Friday night. That's just a weird time for college football games. It's reserved for high school football, right? And MAC teams, and like Mountain West and stuff like that. So uh, we will keep track of the rest of the slate of games. There's a lot of good ones on today. One we're going to be watching most closely is Notre Dame against Georgia Tech. Uh, ND hosts that one in South Bend. Those are our next two opponents. The good thing is Clemson's got 16 days. Coming off a win, prepare for Notre Dame. Um, it's been you know talked about for a while, but we haven't played them in Death Valley since the days of Joe Montana. So that's going to be very exciting. Uh, I will be there. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, and anyway, looking forward to our bye week. Uh, episode next then we'll do a Notre Dame recap the following week I'm sorry Notre Dame preview the following week so stay tuned for that um, if you haven't yet feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform and uh, thank you for listening go Tigers <laughs>